Are you constantly feeling overwhelmed and struggling to find the balance between work, personal life, and self-care? Yeah, me too. But I'm getting better thanks to some great advice from our guest this week. Anna Dearman Cornick is the host of the It's About Time podcast. She joins me to share some of the science behind effective time management and actionable tips that you can implement right away so you can start to take back your day. But first, this is the FitMass where together we learn to develop habits that help us live beyond our mental health struggles to create happier, healthier lives. He's Zach. He lives in the future with his anxiety. He's Jeremy, and he lives in the past with his depression. And we get together once a week in the present to share the obstacles we face and how we overcome them. All right. Hi again. Zach is off today. So thanks for hanging out with me and my guest, Anna Dearman Cornick. We'll bring her in in just a few minutes. But I want to start by giving you a little bit of context on this. Time management is something that I struggle with. I'm sure you do too. Most people do. I'm the kind of person that I'm finding that I'm externally motivated, or as we'll discuss in a moment, an obliger. This makes it difficult to hold myself accountable because I'm more likely to procrastinate or let myself off the hook if I don't have someone else to answer to. For example, I love planning my calendar for the week and the day. It's so fun to make sure all the little blocks line up and nothing's overlapping and the day is just planned out perfectly. It all makes total sense and is the roadmap to my success. But then when it comes time to execute, I make decisions like going to the gym later or working on that project tomorrow because it's a lighter day or making that phone call next week because it can wait. Sound familiar? No? Well, maybe you're the kind of person that has a to-do list or perhaps a to-do binder full of pages of things that you want to make sure you don't lose track of only to lose track of them because that thing you needed to do was on page nine instead of page one or on your calendar where it should have been in the first place. Well, my guest can help. Her name is Anna Dearman Cornick. She has a podcast called It's About Time, and she has a brand new book called Time Management Essentials, the tools you need to maximize your attention, energy, and productivity. We get pretty philosophical about deciding what matters most and what should take up the most space on your calendar, but she also offers specific things you can do right away to take control of your time so you have a better shot at reaching the goals you set for yourself. But I started by asking her why she says your time management problems aren't actually time management problems. What happens is that we either get frustrated and overwhelmed because we have so many different things on our to-do list, or we have said yes to so many things and overcommitted ourselves to the point of not being able to fulfill our you know, responsibilities and obligations in the way that we would want. Or we are so scattered and frazzled because we don't know where we're heading next or when we'll have time to do the next thing or what's next on the agenda. And so we tend to think that all of this is a time management problem. And when really what it comes down to is super surprising. And it's that most of the time people are lacking a vision. Yes, that that sounds frighteningly uh, on target for me. <laughs> and, and I'll, you know, I want to highlight this with what I just saw you post on threads. You know, everybody's on the threads these days. I love that you posted. My toxic trait is that I love creating meticulously time blocked schedules and then completely ignoring them because can't nobody tell me what to do. Even me sometimes, apparently <laughs> this is so me. I can sit there. I can map out my week because I learned from you build the, the ideal week. I do that. It's all in place. And then I get there and I'm like, eh, I could do that. Or like nine other things that are nowhere near as important. Right. You, 
you struggle with this. You lead on this. How do you bridge that gap? How do you go from it's on the thing? Now I got to just show up and do it. Yeah. Well, you have to go in reverse for a bit and get to know yourself again. Most of the time, what people want to hear is tell me the planner that I need to buy. Tell me the time management hack that I need to do. None of that is going to work. Your ideal week is not going to work until you know yourself, you know what you want out of life as big and scary as that can sound. And you know what your values are, what matters most to you. That's the key to good time management. And so me, oh yeah, I will create this meticulously, this beautifully time-blocked schedule for the day with exactly what I'm going to do at different points. And then I'll abandon my time blocks halfway through and go get a procrastination coffee <laughs> down the street and then come back telling myself, okay, I'm energized. So now let me make up for it. But the thing is, is that what I know about myself is that I am a questioner who leans rebel. So if you hear that, you might be thinking, oh, she's talking about Gretchen Rubin's four mm -hmm. tendencies. And yeah. if you're like, what is this Greek? I'm talking about Gretchen Rubin's four <laughs> tendencies. <laughs> Gretchen Rubin was the author of The Happiness Project. That's probably what she's most well known for. But my favorite book by Gretchen Rubin was called Better Than Before. And it was all about habits. Again, habits are one of the absolute tiniest building blocks to having good time management. But in this book, she talks about these four different, you could call them personality types, but they're four different descriptors of how you respond to inner and outer expectations. And so what I have learned is that of the four types, there's the obliger who responds to outer expectations, but they're terrible at responding to inner expectations. So that means that if they say, I'm going to go for a run, they're probably not going to go. But if a friend says, hey, meet me for a run, they will be there with bells on. And then there's the upholder who responds to both internal and out external motivators. If they say they're going to do something, they do it. If they promise they're going to do something, they do it. But then we've got two more types, the rebel and the questioner. Now, the questioner responds to inner expectations, but not outer. So it has to make sense to the questioner in order to follow through and do something. And so as a questioner, I'll look at my schedule, this beautiful schedule that I've created for myself. And I'll be like, eh, that doesn't really make sense anymore. I want a coffee. Let's go. And I'll go. And then our last, the last type, the rebel does not respond well to inner or outer expectations. And they are that, Hey, can nobody tell me what to do? Not even me. And so it's, it's amazing because when you know your type, whether it's, when you know your personality type, whether it's with Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies or the Myers-Briggs or Finder or the Enneagram, whatever it is, you get a shortcut. You get a fast pass to figuring out what strategies are going to work best for you. I said it a million times. Time management is not a one-size-fits-all copy and paste thing. And you have to start by knowing yourself because that clues you in to which strategies and hacks and tips and tricks are actually going to work for you. We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but first I have a question. Are you tired of feeling stressed out all the time? Chronic stress can impact your sleep, mood, and overall quality of life. But with Apollo Neuro, you can finally find relief. This innovative device uses silent, soothing vibrations to speak to your nervous system, telling you that you're safe and in control. Simply strap Apollo Neuro onto your wrist or ankle and let the vibrations do their magic. Choose from different modes like energy and wake up, social and open, or clear and focused to suit your needs. With Apollo Neuro, you can retrain your nervous system to manage stress effectively on your own. Over time, you'll experience improved sleep, enhanced focus, 
and a greater sense of balance in your life. Don't let stress hold you back. Take the first step toward a calmer, more balanced life. Click the link in the show notes for this episode and unleash the mental health benefits of Apollo Neuro. Feel the difference. So I'd like to say this is for a friend, so I'm going to. This is for a friend. Okay. I, I feel like I'm a, a recovering obliger. I'm trying to trying to become more of the questioner. I got up this morning. Normally, I go to the gym when I take my kids to the bus stop. They are now mm-hmm. done with school, <laughs> and I still had the time. It's still on the calendar. Go to the gym. I, w- I woke up, and I went. Everybody was still asleep. I was very proud of myself. I got it done. Good that's, job. That's new for me. Normally, it's like something has to already be in place for me to act and do the thing. So how do you work on... If there is, so most of us have a boss, right? The boss lays out the agenda. These are the things I need from you, A, A, B, C, go get them done. But maybe you don't. Maybe you are more of an entrepreneur. Maybe you have a little bit more freedom in your schedule. If there isn't someone to, to default to for how, how to get through my day, how do you wrestle with that and, and come up with something effective? Yeah, when you don't have a boss that's telling you what to do and you are the boss, your why has to be the boss. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes back to you committing to going to the gym. It's so much easier to make yourself go when you have a compelling reason why. And, you know, sometimes something as surface level as, hey, I want to feel confident while I'm at the pool. So let me go to the gym and that can be enough to drive people. But sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper into that why asking yourself, okay, why do I need to go to the gym? Well, if I go to the gym, I'm going to feel good and be healthy. Okay. Well, why do I want to feel good and be healthy? Well, it's so that I can be at my best when I play with my kids. Why do you want to be at your best when you play with your kids? Well, because I want them to think of me as like a good, active, involved parent. Why do you want them to think that you're a good, active, involved parent? Well, I want to be an example for them so that one day when they become parents, that they're able to pass on the experiences that they've had to their kids, my future grandkids. And that just made going to the gym really deep. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that is not your exact motivation, but really digging deep into the why can sometimes get you to that root of, oh no, like. This, this is why I am going to the gym. Okay, so there's a why for everything. There's the personal why, the professional why. There's all the different whys. Again, asking for a friend. How do you, I know this is something you talk about in terms of uh, uh, deciding what the priorities are, what matters the most. Obviously, like my kids, my family matter the most, but so does paying the rent and the mortgage and, and being successful in my job. So when you've got a wide open schedule, if you've got the ability to sort of make your day How do you weigh the two different uh, or or the many different competing worlds for priorities and and decide what what gets your time? Oh, my gosh, that's such a good question, right? Because when your schedule is wide open, anything could happen at any moment. So this is what really helps to narrow down or to uh, kind of laser focus how you think about priorities. If we think about priorities as one thing, like priorities are important, right? Just about anything could be considered a priority. It almost makes me picture a very large, like fenced in grassy area where everything inside of it is considered a priority. When everything 
is important, you're right. It is nearly impossible to know how to rank and categorize these things. But now imagine breaking that fence into three different sections. And each section has a specific type of purpose associated with it. I like to think of priorities not as something abstract, this idea of the most important thing, but I like to take the idea of priorities and turn them into something that we can actually picture and imagine the weight of. Um, you might've heard something similar before. Uh, Stephen Covey's uh, talked about it in his work. Um, there's also the parable of the pickle jar. And it's thinking about priorities in terms of boulders, big rocks, and pebbles. Boulders being the giant um giant boulders that I always picture being at the Grand Canyon, despite the fact that I've never actually been to the Grand Canyon. Um, but if you were to push on a boulder with all of its might, it's not moving. Just ask Wiley Coyote, right? I mean, how many right. times? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's not moving. And then big rocks, you know, you can also picture a big rock. They're big, they're heavy, they've got some weight to them, but you can typically move them around. And we all know what pebbles are. Pebbles are the little bitty pieces of gravel that kind of fill in all the other spaces. And so how do we take this idea of rock formations and translate that to priorities in a way that helps us make decisions? So when we think of the things in our, in our days, in our weeks, um, the way that we spend our time on activities that help us show up as our best selves, those activities are important. Um, so things like professional development, okay? Things like cultivating relationship with your partner, things like working out. All, it's important, right? It helps you show up as your best self, but getting in a workout is not always the most urgent thing. Uh, we could very easily bypass working out to uh, schedule a client call or to get some work done or to record a podcast episode that, and, and, and we tell ourselves a lot of time, okay, if I have time, I'll go to the gym. Or if I feel like it later, I'll go to the gym. Newsflash, there will not be enough time and you will not feel like it. And so by thinking of these important activities, that are not urgent, that often get pushed to the back burner, but they help us show up as our best selves. We think of those as boulders. We think of those as the things that we put into our schedule first. So we're, we're zooming out. We're thinking about our, our time in terms of a week rather than just a day. Because one of the biggest mistakes that people can make when it comes to time management is operating under the assumption that they have to fit everything in every day. Let me design my perfect day. No, don't do that. Just let's let's zoom out and think about a week because consistency is still possible without something happening daily. And that's something that I always have to remind my clients. You can be consistent without doing something daily. And so, you know, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, okay, working out, that's a boulder for me. That is something that is important, but it's not urgent. And it helps me show up as my best self. I really encourage you to think about what are some other examples of boulders in your life? Is it making time to call your grandmother mm -hmm. once a week, you know, just to check in. Is it having a monthly date night with your partner just to continue developing that relationship? Is it having a solo day with your kids once a month in order to have that one-on-one -on -one time with them? Because although these bolder activities are not urgent, the longer that we neglect them and the more that we push them off and push them off, 
the more urgent they eventually become because these non-urgent important activities, eventually they, they catch on fire. And all of a sudden you look up and you haven't been to the gym in months. Your relationships are not in a good place. Your boundaries have fallen apart all because you did not put these boulders first. So whenever we're thinking about planning what our ideal week would look like, we want to put our boulders in first, even before those important revenue generating business activities that we're going to talk about now, because those are our big rocks. So big rocks, these are the things on your to-do list, on your calendar that are urgent and they're important. They're urgent and they're important. So these are the things that are typically time-bound. They're project-oriented. There is some type of deadline involved. Perhaps it's an obligation that you are completing for someone else. And these are the things that typically have an endpoint. There, you know, there's the, the project will end or this activity will come to some type of completion. But either way, we want to remember that these big rocks, they're urgent, they're important, and they move the needle in your life or in your work, whatever that means for you. Because of course, that's going to mean something different for everyone. Another reason why work-life balance is not a formula, it's a feeling. You know what feels right as a big rock for you. And so once you've got your boulders in place for your week, you know, when you're getting in your three workouts, you know, when you're meditating, when you're going on a date night, when you're calling your college roommate to catch up, whatever it is, then this is when we add in those big rocks, because even though they're urgent, they do have some wiggle room and we do, we, so we place those big rocks in our week. And then what's left? Everything else. All of the little tasks and to-dos that uh, we can think of as pebbles. They're small. They are typically not super urgent. They're typically not super important compared to our big rocks. They're not those things that are really moving the needle in our life or our work. And so the great thing about pebbles is that they're small. And so when we've got our boulders placed into our weeks and we've made space for those big rock activities that move the needle, we can fill in the spaces in between 15 minutes here, 30 minutes there with a pebble here and there to knock those out. Another thing that I love doing is taking a pile of pebbles and squeezing them together and turning them into a big rock with something that I like to call a pebble power hour, just <laughs> setting aside an hour once a week to knock out all of the little bitty random things. I mean, we need to get a babysitter. I need to order a birthday gift for a four-year-old from Amazon. I need to book plane tickets for a wedding in Montana in August. I need to order bookmarks for my upcoming book launch party. All of that stuff is going to be handled back to back in the course of an hour tomorrow. So that is a lot to sit down and look at the calendar with and plan out. So I have, I have a couple of questions, and, and one of them I'm I'm hearing uh, Zach in my ear. He is he's the get up at four thirty in the morning, go straight to the gym guy. Like go in, knock it out, get home, have the coffee, plan the day. Like he gets it all done early in the morning. Do Love that for him. Do you have to be that guy, or can you make it work for you? Like is there is there science that says it, get up before everyone else on the planet and get it done, or is it customizable to each person? Oh my goodness. That is a great question. Funny enough, I just finished reading 5am club by mm -hmm. Robin Sharma, which is all about getting up at 5am and following the, this set routine and doing the, this for 20 minutes and this for 20 minutes. And I think that that is great for some people, but 
not everyone is biologically built for 4 a.m. mornings, 4.30, 5 a.m., even 6 or 7 a.m. One of the most eye-opening and impactful things that I've learned about time management along the way is that each of us has our own unique biological chronotype. And if all of us attempt to wake up at 5 a.m., there's going to be 25 to 50% of us that that absolutely does not work for. Mm -hmm. And so really, you know, it all goes back to knowing yourself, knowing yourself is so much more than just knowing your personality type and what makes you tick. It's also understanding the unique energy flows of, of your body and how you operate, you know, 25% of the population is biologically considered a night owl. And our night owls, they don't truly come alive until the early evening. And they're living in a world that favors morning people. And they, they have to meld themselves to, to the, the daytime morning schedule. You know, I, I, I'm what's considered a, a third bird. So to, to rewind for a second, in Daniel Pink's book, When the Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing, he talks about three different biological chronotypes, okay? You've got your morning lark that comes alive early in the morning, your night owl, who we know comes alive in the evening, but there's this middle person that he calls the third bird that really doesn't get up and going and um, on all cylinders until mid-morning. Hi, that's where I am. Yeah. By the way, I am the time management coach that was written up by my supervisor for being late no less than 17 times in a quarter when I worked for a PR agency. That's incredible. Not kidding. That's I mean, awesome. I I mean, had to be there at eight. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't, that doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, so first of all, so if you think that time management is hopeless for you, let me tell you, I literally got written up for being late 17 times. But when I look back on that time, it's because I was trying to operate in opposition to the way that my body actually works. And so if you are struggling because you think, oh, all the greats get up at 5 a.m., I'm a loser if I can't wake up at 5 a.m., that is false. Lean into your body's natural rhythms, find your energy, find your natural energy peaks, and then guard that time. And, and just anecdotally, Jeff Bezos, I read that he has to, he literally has to have his putter around time until 10 a.m. Like 10 a.m. That's when he gets to work, but he just needs time to just putter around the house and do not, like yes. Jeff oh, Bezos. Man. So if he can putter around, I'm going to feel pretty good about it. Right. I think I'm a couple billion away from yeah. totally giving into the putter around time. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a nice dream to have for sure. Uh, right. By the way, the chronotype, I don't know if you know this, but like, so I'm, I'm a nerd for the aura ring and it has your chronotype. Like it monitors like when you should go to sleep, tells you when your peak sleep time is like. So if you're into the nerdy data stuff, that's a, that's oh. a great way to figure that out. I love that. That is a piece of the nerdy data that I have not jumped into yet. Sure. But I do. That is that is fascinating. I'm going to have to um, see if I can get somebody from Aura on the podcast. Oh, I, I may <laughs> be able to. Show. I may be able to connect you. I, I know some people. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Let's cool. Go. Um, you mentioned a, a few minutes ago work life balance, mm -hmm. and I know a lot of people that say that's not a thing. Is work life balance a thing? What does it look like? 
Oh, that's such a fun question. I think that work-life balance is a thing just as much as imagination is a thing or democracy is a thing or any other concept that you can't touch and that looks different to different people because that's what it comes down to. Work-life balance is something that is different for every single person because we all have different responsibilities and different family dynamics and different personalities. So it's ridiculous to say that work-life balance doesn't exist just because someone who chooses to say that doesn't feel balanced. To me, they just haven't found their version of balance yet. And it's really easy to stop looking for it and to give in to the chaos if you just tell yourself that it doesn't exist. To me, that's just giving up. Work-life balance is a feeling, not a formula. I can't copy my version of work-life balance onto you, just like yours wouldn't work for me. And it takes getting to know yourself, knowing what you want out of life and knowing what matters most to you. Without that, you're not going to find it. See, and it's interesting because I'm sure you're familiar with Alex Hormozzi. He talks about how like literally all he does is work. Mm Mm-hmm but he absolutely loves it. And he's like, if I, if I literally fill every minute of my day for the rest of my life doing this, I could not be more thrilled. And people from the outside would go, well, how come you don't ever take a break and put, you know, put your feet up and just chill. And, but he's like, that's not me. So it's just interesting that, that there are people that say, oh no, that's completely toxic and, and unhealthy, but it does seem like, like most things in this space, it's, it's yeah. up to each person. It might be toxic and unhealthy for one person, and that it may be pure joy for someone else. Uh, There are some of us, there are a lot of us who work is a form of love for their family. And that's something I work with a lot of professional women and entrepreneurs, and they feel guilty because they, they spend so much of their quali- quantitative time working and they have this, this guilt that I should be spending more time with my family, but at the same time that work, they feel deep down is like an act of love for their family yeah. because it's, it's caring for them. It's supporting them. It's, it's being in that protector provider mode. And that again, love takes on many different forms and expressions. And for some people working is truly an act of love for their families and they shouldn't feel guilty about that. Yeah. We've been pretty philosophical with a lot of this. So let's, let's talk tactics. What are some things that somebody listening right now is like, yeah, my calendar is a mess or I don't do what it says I'm supposed to do, or I'm doing it and I get distracted by all the things that are happening. Give me a couple of just real basic. I want to get my, my calendar, my life in order. Where do I start? I love it. If you want to get your calendar in order, start by doing a calendar audit. Um, It's not as scary as it sounds. The IRS is not coming for you, but take a beat What this week, next week, and just examine what is on your calendar. Chances are you've got obligations, you've got time blocks, you've got meetings and things on your calendar, and you might not be in love with every single thing that you have committed to spend your time to. So I really encourage you to ask yourself, what is on my calendar that I am not looking forward to? 
What is on my calendar that I typically avoid or skip over? Where do I find myself blowing through and ignoring the time blocks that I've set for myself? And then for each of those things, ask yourself why, because that's something that we often don't take enough time to do. Okay. Why am I dreading this meeting? Oh, it's because I'm, this really isn't a good fit client. Okay. What can you do about that in order to free up that space for more good fit clients? Does that mean that you need to take a step back and look at your ideal client profile or that you need to take a look at your marketing and see the type of people that you're attracting? Sometimes those tweaks, while they aren't directly moving things around on your calendar, they have a ripple effect of helping you create the life and spend your time in the way that you want it. So if you're totally overwhelmed, do a calendar audit. Um, And then the next thing that I would recommend is test driving time blocking. Uh, If you have never, if if you've been solely operating off of just a to-do list or your task management system, I would really encourage you to take those to-do items from your to-do list and put them on your calendar and actually create almost like meetings with yourself to represent the time that you'll spend working on each of the items in your to-do list. This is how you eliminate that feeling you have at the end of the day when you had 37 things on your to-do list (laughs) and you only did seven of them and then you hate yourself. If you want to eliminate that, Put the items on your to-do list that are most important and most urgent, arranging them around your boulders, of course, and then boom, chances are you'll have a to-do list with only about seven things on it for the day. And so you'll actually get to end the day feeling accomplished because you have put a realistic number of things on your plate. The thing that I love about that, like just mentally, the the space that it takes up in your head and on that list, mm-hmm. you're constantly referencing that list. The minute you give mm-hmm. it a time and a place, you can mm-hmm. stop thinking about it because you know on Thursday at two o'clock, that's when you have to care about that right now. You don't. It's there. Yeah. It's like scheduling a time to worry. Like yeah. I'll worry about that later. Yeah. That's why I, I handle all of my financial tasks on Friday because sometimes I don't like, I don't like sending invoices <laughs> or right. reaching out to clients with overdue bills. I can worry about that on Friday. Um, and then the last tactic tip trick that I would recommend is to um, head over to AnnaDCornick.com forward slash book. I'm sure we'll link this in the show notes and grab a copy of Time Management Essentials. It's my new book that is dedicated to everything that you need to know about values-based time management, managing your time with purpose rather than just rearranging the mess on your calendar and putting a Band-Aid on it. Inside, you'll find everything from how to create that vision, how to identify productivity pitfalls before they trip you up and get really comfortable with the time management tactics that will completely save the day and save you time in the process. Well, now you stole my last question, which is where can we learn more about you in the book? So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll lob up a softball of what did we not cover that you uh, would like to leave our audience with? One thing that we didn't cover is probably the most underrated productivity tool there is. And that is sleep. Again, everything productivity oriented isn't all, isn't necessarily about getting more done in less time and squeezing more and more into your day or on your to-do list. If we don't take time to recharge, to rest, to get seven to nine hours of sleep a night, to take breaks during the day, to plan actual seasons of rest in our work we are not going to have the mental capacity to show up as our best and highest selves. And so 
I think that if there's one thing that I'd love for you to remember, it's to get some sleep. You need it. All right. My thanks to Anna Dearman Cornick. She is the host of the It's About Time podcast, and she has a new book called Time Management Essentials, the tools you need to maximize your attention, energy, and productivity. You can get those links and the links to the books she mentioned in the show notes for this episode at thefitmess.com. And there are so many great takeaways from that interview. For example, the idea that time management challenges often stem from a lack of vision rather than a lack of time. It's a matter of knowing what your priorities are, knowing what your tendencies are, and knowing how to use them to your advantage so things don't get lost in the shuffle and they find a place on your calendar and they get done when they need to get done. She offered a lot of different techniques, like time blocking, for example. But this is not a one-size-fits-all approach. You have to experiment with a lot of different techniques and find what works for you. And when you struggle to get motivated to do those things, to actually work on those goals that you set for yourself, it always comes back to that idea of connecting with what your why is. What is the reason that you are trying to do the thing you need to do? And if, if it's not big enough to keep you moving, find something bigger or maybe take a look at what that thing is and decide that it's not worth it after all. And finally, I want to call back to an episode that we did a few months ago now, I believe, where we talked about the Eisenhower matrix, just basically a framework of four quadrants in a box where you can prioritize things based on uh, importance and urgency. Using that to sort of dump your thoughts out onto, onto paper and organize them in a way that makes sense for you to then move them to a calendar where you can tackle them as needed is a great tool to use to stay organized. But Anna also introduced me to an alternative method called the drip matrix, and it focuses less on urgency and importance and instead helps you prioritize what lights you up and makes you money. And what I like about that, as opposed to the Eisenhower matrix, is it plays a little bit more on your emotions, which maybe will drive your why a little bit stronger than just urgency and importance and having to answer to other people or answer to a clock. If it's something that emotionally means something to you or could benefit your bank account, perhaps that will be the motivation that you're lacking now that gets in the way of your progress. We'll have a lot more on that in our upcoming newsletter, which you can get at thefitmass.com. And that's where we'll be back in just a few days with a brand new episode. Thank you so much for listening. We know this podcast is amazing and doesn't seem to lack anything, but we need a legal disclaimer. Prior to implementing anything discussed in this podcast, it is your responsibility to conduct your own research and consult your physician. You should assume that Jeremy and Zach don't know what they're talking about, and they're not liable for any physical or emotional issues that occur directly or indirectly from listening to this podcast.